Hello, I'm Nicholas Lemon, and welcome to Underreported, a podcast from Columbia Global Reports. This week, I'm welcoming Emily Witt to our show. Emily is a writer whose work has been in The New Yorker, The New York Times, GQ, N Plus One, The London Review of Books, and many more. Her first book, Future Sex, A New Kind of Free Love, was published last year by Farrar Strauss and Giroux. New York Magazine named Emily one of America's foremost prose stylists under the age of 40, and we are so happy to be publishing her next book, Nollywood, The Making of a Film Empire. Welcome to the show, Emily. Thanks, Nick. Let's start with uh, just the basics. What is Nollywood? Nollywood is Nigeria's movie industry. It began in 1992 with people shooting very low-budget movies on VHS and copying tapes and then selling them on the street. And now it's a full-fledged industry um, producing movies that have cinema releases and that reach not only all around Nigeria, but all around Africa and the rest of the world. We know, at least some of us know, about Bollywood, the Indian film industry that's been booming for a long time. Uh, Nollywood belongs, I think, in a sort of triad with Hollywood, Bollywood, and Nollywood. Uh, Why is Nigeria the third nub of film production in the world as opposed to any place else? That's a good question. I think Nigeria's, um, first of all, it's the large, first of all, Nigeria is the largest country in Africa in terms of population, the size of its economy. And so there's just more people there. Um, The second reason I think is related to different a cultural history of theater, literature, um, music, fashion, just strong cultural traditions and a lot of national pride. That Not that other countries don't have that too, but somehow the combination of Nigeria's size and that commitment to national culture converged when it came to making mu- movies. You know, here in the United States... Um, there has been, and to some extent still is, a, a kind of idea that American pop culture is the world's pop culture. Uh, you know, particularly easy to think this if you're an American who doesn't travel a lot. But even if you do travel a lot, you know, you've read the columns by various pundits where they say, gee, I was, you know, climbing to the top of K2 in the Himalayas, and there was a guy with a Nike swoosh on his shoe, or, you know, there was somebody in Tokyo listening to hip-hop. Um, so, you know, to the extent that we're kind of supposed to think every everybody everywhere is ingesting uh, U.S. pop culture, why don't Nigerians want to do that? Hmm. Well, I think what happened with globalization was... Uh, not just Hollywood, but a whole set of what you could call cultural nodes emerged. Hollywood is one of them. Bollywood would be another one. You have um, the action movie culture that came out of Hong Kong. You have soap operas from Latin America that have huge global reach. And one reason that I think Nollywood in particular became one of those places 
has to do with, first of all, um, Hollywood did not even represent African-American populations very well. And certainly the same could be true for the Latin American novella industry. These are countries with lots of black people, people of African descent, um, who failed to represent them well in their cultural industries. And so there was a void for people of African descent when it came to seeing themselves on television and film. And Nollywood really stepped into that void. The movies are popular not only around Africa, but also with Caribbean populations, with African-American communities and African diasporic communities all over the world. But it seems to me there's another element here that I'm I'm just, it's seeming this way to me only because I've read your book, which is there are certain, it's, it's not just what the people look like in the movies, it's the thematics of the movies uh, that uh, are, are underrepresented in U.S. pop culture that is supposedly universal and global. Mm-hmm. I mean, just to give a few examples, and maybe this will prompt specific examples uh, from from uh, from the movies um, that that you're writing about. Uh, one is people for whom religion is a very active part of their life. It might be something they're struggling with, but it, you know, it's not that religion is part of their lives because they're crazy or something like that. It's it's intimately in their life. Mm-hmm. Urbanization is in their life. Uh, the the you know fundamental move from the countryside and village traditional life to the city and everything that involves. Um, These are people often who have large extended families that are part of the fabric of their everyday life in a way that is not the case for a lot of Americans, Um, or at least if it is, they're not represented in, you know, movies and videos and so on. Um, So, so, Magic is is in people's heads as as a part of reality. Um, uh, there's a kind of um, you know almost obsession in in a very kind of in some ways uncomplicated celebratory way with material goods and the chance to have them. So so I'm not a you know huge expert consumer of U.S. pop culture, but these are things you don't see as much in U.S. pop culture. So do you think that's also part of what's going on here? Definitely. Um, when you are in Nigeria, when I was in Nigeria and I would watch a Hollywood blockbuster playing on TV in a bar, I would feel the dissonance even not being part of Nigerian culture, even as an outsider. It seemed often very violent, almost craven, um, certain things like romantic comedies and the idea of being a single person in a city living on your own and dating. Nigeria doesn't have that. There's not... Urban culture in Lagos is... um, There's no anonymity, even though it's a giant city with millions and millions of people living together. Um, People know who lives on their street. They know... You know, they they know where all their relatives are at. Um, you know, you're getting phone calls every 10 minutes. It's a very communicative social culture. And the individualism in particular of American pop culture doesn't translate very well into Nigeria. 
And and then there's the theme. Well, let, I, I want to use this as a segue to your describing some of the movies specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the theme of you know the glorious uh, past of Nigeria, which you almost never see in American movies about Africa. You know, with respect to Nigeria or anywhere else. Um, there's instead you know the sense of it's sort of, sort of you know, still it's sort of primitive. Um, you could say. Well, anyway, I won't, I won't go into detail about that. But um, so, if you could talk about some of the the basic genres of Nigerian cinema, since it is, by your account, pretty generic, and and what each the key elements of each genre are, and what they're trying to get to in the national consciousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the the movies are very genre based. Even what you might call new Nollywood often has. Um, references to the kind of old set of tropes. So the the main genres that I witnessed, there's a genre called a glamour movie, um, which will be urban, a kind of glorification of of wealthy urban life, but in a kind of funnier sots way. So the joke is that there will always be champagne bottles on the table, but nobody's ever opened them or drinking them. Um, So there's glamour movies. There's um, family movies, which are often about some kind of feud. So there might be a mother who has given birth only to daughters, and she wants to conceive a son, and so she goes outside the marriage has a child, but then 20 years later, the sons are grown up and successful and go crazy, and the family realizes a, the cur- there's been a curse put on the family because of this transgression made by the mother, and a priest is called in to do an exorcism. So that that's a kind of typical family story um, of fortunes won and lost and marital infidelities and moral lessons. Um, there are... Yeah, historical royal movies, I guess they would call them, that are set in a pre-colonial village um, where a dynasty... um, These kind of merge with the family movies. For example, a typical plot of that might be a king who disguises himself as a beggar and goes to find a wife for his son. Um, you know, so very almost fairy tale like themes. Um, what else? What other movies were there? There's comedies, and there's very often the story of a of a country bumpkin who goes to the city, um, and has to learn all how to be savvy in Lagos or even a smaller provincial city. That's a very common theme of comedies, in particular. What's the general attitude, or maybe there isn't a general attitude, about, you know, if you uh, start out in a village and move to Lagos and acquire material possessions like a Cadillac Escalade and a big house, is that to be celebrated, or does that prove that you're corrupt, or what? what how, how, how are we to think about that process? Yeah, in the movies, the wealth is almost always misbegotten. Um, Mm -hmm. Even if the character is a good and decent character, you're always meant to be a little suspect of how he or she comes into their money, into the money. Um, And usually it depends on what the lesson of the story is, but a good character will come back to the village with that wealth and will 
show off that wealth and everybody will celebrate it. Um, but a good character will also share it, will come back from the city with bread to share and goods to give out, perfume, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and a bad character will come back in the chauffeur-driven Escalade and um, and be, you know, will forget the importance of their familial relationships and will be sucked up in this material culture. And when you when you ignore your family in a Nollywood movie, it's always to your peril. Um, something bad will happen to you later for that. So, yeah. Let's talk about Nollywood as an industry a little. You know, one of the things I really love about your book is you go through the entire, um, you know, chain of how it works as a business. So if you could talk a little about that, who invented it, where did it come from, who are the players, uh, and, and what's the evolution look like? Yeah, it came out of a little bit of a perfect storm in in the Nigerian economy in in 1992 after some structural adjustment programs that um, devalued the Nigerian currency and um, cut off funding to stuff like the national television station. There were a lot of not only television producers out of work, but also a shortage of foreign currency with which to import any movies. And therefore, all the cinemas had closed down. And basically, there was a a marketer, a guy selling videotapes in a Laba market in Lagos named Kenneth Nibue. And he um, decided to start making movies on the videotapes and selling, using that to sell the tapes. Um, So he made a movie called Living in Bondage. It sold, it was an Igbo language movie. It was about a man who sacrifices his wife to a cult in exchange for material riches, and then she comes back to haunt him. And it sold hundreds of thousands of copies, and all these um, out-of-work television producers realized that they could also earn money doing this. And so the, they just started making movies. At first, they thought they had to be an Igbo to sell because the Igbo population was maybe a little wealthier. They had some, They had VCRs, but they soon realized... People were watching them subtitled in English or watching them in Yoruba. And so they started making them in English and all the different languages in Yoruba and Hausa. Um, and the industry just expanded. Um, soon they were copying the videos on DVDs instead and video CDs. Um, but what's remarkable about how the industry grew is it never followed any formal channels of capital or distribution it you know any of the traditional ways that a movie is funded and distributed abroad never applied to Nollywood. It was always just people making things and selling things in a very informal way. Is the audience watching this stuff on? Are they where are they watching it? Are they watching it in theaters? Are they watching it on tape or on mobile devices or what? So movie theaters have only been had a comeback in, in Nigeria for really the past 10 years, and they're still only available to a pretty elite audience. So most people watch, you know, originally watched Nollywood on VCRs on, at home or in a bar. There would be um, community viewing centers where somebody would have um, a TV with a VCR and charge people, you know, pennies, 10 naira, 
um, 15 Naira to come and, and watch a movie there in a communal setting. Um, now that people have cell phones, um, they distribute like one there's it's, data is expensive in Nigeria, but people um, Bluetooth files to each other or they use USB sticks and pass files around. So now people watch movies on their laptop on um, on their phones, if they have a good internet connection, a lot of the movies are now on YouTube. And for people who live abroad, there's now um, a Netflix-type service called Iroko that you pay a subscription fee and get unlimited access to movies. Um, you know, I think people need to hear, because they have a picture in their head of what it takes to make a movie, of what it how these movies are actually made how much time it takes what the budget is like etc yeah so the range the traditional nollywood movie the budget would be about 25,000 to 30,000 dollars um they would make the movie anywhere between in anywhere between 7 days to you know, three weeks, but very, very fast. A producer could make 30 or 40 movies a year, even more in some cases. Um, actors will have hundreds of movies to their names. Um, but now there's a, um, now that cinema culture has returned and Nollywood is trying to be more of a global player, the production values have improved and there are some movies that are now probably never more than $500,000 in budget. But um, for Nigeria, that's a big budget movie. Um, and they have higher production values they'll use. You know, you can go sometimes to a Nollywood shoot and they're just using a single lens reflex camera with a microphone taped onto it. Um, very rudimentary technology. But I went to a shoot where they were using um, a big Ari, I forget what it's called, an Alexa Dragon, I think was the name. But, you know, a, a really high-end digital camera. Um, they had proper sound recording technology and lighting and all of that. So it ranges, yeah. Um, what's the total number of films in a year that Nollywood is producing? I don't know. <laughs> a don't, lot, right? More than Hollywood? More than Hollywood. Thousands of movies. Um, but the number is really difficult to tell because there's no centralized database. The best way that they've gotten numbers in the past is by... Um, they have to. The movies have to pass through a censor, um, a government censor. So however many movies um, the censor watches in a year gives you some idea. And it's, um, I don't know the number. I'd have to look it up. Um, is it enough that this is a way that people make their living? Or are, are these people, you know, just turning out a lot of movies and making their living doing something else? Or does does it feel like an actual industry that provides full-time employment to a bunch of people? I mean, almost nobody in Nigeria just has one job. Right. <laughs> so people are always doing different things, but absolutely, it's a real industry. There are people whose 
main career is in Hollywood. I met makeup artists. I met costume designers, set designers, camera people, producers, directors, and definitely actors who their primary source of income will be from Nollywood movies and who have worked on hundreds of movies. And what's exciting is is many of these people are just really self-taught. I, I met one guy who does special effects and he just he just found his way into the he was a sign painter and then they outlawed billboards in Lagos and so he started doing special effects and makeup just using different food at first and then now he uses latex and everything but people really just kind of taught themselves in many cases what would be the Nollywood equivalent of a movie mogul hmm are there studios or are there people who've gotten rich off of Nollywood? There are. I didn't necessarily meet those people. Um, they are pretty difficult for an outsider to access, I think, because um, they're in the market. So I met with a, a big production manager in a city called Asaba, where a lot of the low-budget movies are now made. It's cheaper than Lagos. And his bosses um, are, I think, a pair of brothers. They're marketers, um, which means they sell movies in the big marketplace in Anugu or in Asaba. And they fund um, probably 100 or so, even more movies a year. So I think there's three or four in that marketplace culture of Mm -hmm. Nollywood probably three or four really big players. Mm -hmm. Um, But then in the cinema culture, it's still so new. They're they're kind of figuring it out, but it tends to attract a much wealthier Nigerian is making movies in that space. But you're not, you can't go see a physical Nigerian studio with a back lot and all that stuff. No, there there isn't a studio system. There's no studios. Um, there there are places, for example, in the city of Saba, there are rental houses that they just use. They're just mm-hmm. always set. Um, there's even a village that mm-hmm. is just a movie village. Um, but one of the things Nollywood filmmakers would complain about was that the government hadn't given any encouragement in the form of helping them build a, a special studio system or that kind of thing. Um, Do you think, well, I guess right now, is there a market for Nollywood films outside of Nigeria? It's mostly Nigerians living, well, there's a a big market for Nigerian movies around Africa, for Mm -hmm. sure. And then outside of Africa, there is the Nigerian diaspora and also people from other West African countries and maybe other African countries um, also watch the movies for sure. Um, And then there's, in the Caribbean, there's a little bit of an audience and some African-American communities, I think. Um, But but if you're you're sitting in New York City today, uh, if you want to watch a Nollywood movie... Are you better off going to an African immigrant neighborhood in the Bronx or are you better off going to the Angelica or Film Forum or where are you going to see these movies? Well, you, first on YouTube. Right. Um, 
yeah, you would look online and find them. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you wanted to buy a DVD, definitely you would go to a mom and pop store in the Bronx or on Flatbush Avenue, and that's where you would find copies of the movies for sale. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is that a good place to stop? Definitely, yeah. I think that's a... Okay. All right. Um, I'll just do the outro. Um Thanks, Emily. That was uh, terrifically interesting, and it's a wonderful book. Congratulations for that. Um, If our audience wants to follow you online, where do they find you? I'm at emilywitt.net, or my Twitter handle is mbot. B-O-P. E-M-B-O-T. Oh, B-O-T. Okay. Um, Great. Well, that's our show today. Be sure to pick up a copy of Emily's book, Nollywood, The Making of a Film Empire, available now. We have a panel event coming up at Columbia on Wednesday, November 8th, about Nollywood. Emily Witt will be there, of course, along with Brian Larkin, a professor of anthropology at Barnard College, and Daniel Oriahi, director of the 2015 Nollywood film Taxi Driver. Details about that and all of our upcoming events can be found on our website at globalreports.columbia.edu. That's globalreports.columbia.edu. I'm Nicholas Lemon. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.